G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. The All Blacks did the mahi at FedEx Field, racking up 104 points over the Eagle. It wasn't all bad for the Americans, scoring their first tries against the mighty All Blacks. Rugby United New York's halfback just so happens to be in the crowd. 28 test All Black Andy Ellis, and he has joined us this morning. Andy, he is a jet set. He's been around everywhere, Japan. Where else you been, mate? You're in the United States. You're jet setting all over the United States. Good morning, Andy. <laughs> Morning, brother. I'm actually in uh, Union Station in DC, just heading back to New York now. So, yeah, been getting around a bit. Mate, how was um, how was Washington DC? Is that your first time to ventured out to Washington? Yeah, it is, mate. Um, it's an it's an amazing city. Um, Blow me away, really. Like the White House and Capitol Hill and, and all the memorials and all the museums. It's a it's a beautiful. Um, beautiful city uh, so it's been a great place to come and visit I brought, brought the family with us so we've been, been venturing around and then obviously that um that great test match yesterday at uh at the Washington um stadium was um was a great way to kind of top it all off talk about talk to us about the stadium and the whole atmosphere leading up to the game during the game I know there's a lot of Kiwis in the crowd how was it mate yeah it's it's, it's almost hard to explain back 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 to Kiwis back home because they do sport and entertainment in the States so well. Yeah. It's, it's the most amazing experience. And um, you'll know because you've been to um, NFL games over here, right, where we're like they tailgate. And so this was us yesterday. There were there were hundreds and hundreds of tailgates. That's where you, you pull up your, your car and you're in, your, in the car park and open the boot up and get a barbecue going. And, um, you know, there's rugby, everyone's kicking rugby balls around and you're kind of mixing and mingling between, between mm. it. Um, having a few beers yesterday. So we got in there, you know, about four or five hours before the game, set up and just, it was amazing. Like all the Kiwis were around, all the, all the Americans that love rugby and wanted to learn more about it. We're just in the car park, kind of having this great experience. Um, and then, you know, it sort of finished it off by actually sort of, sort of stumbling in and um, and watching a, a, a test match and, and an incredible, incredible venue. You know, that, that, that stadium was just out of this world. Let's talk about American rugby. You, you're playing in the MLR and you're playing for um, New York United Rugby Club over there, mate. Talk about the MLR and, and rugby in America. You, have you seen Have you seen any progress? Obviously, the score yesterday probably doesn't reflect that, but have you seen the progress to maybe form a formidable side going forward? Yeah, it was disappointing yesterday's um, performance. Um, not really too sure where they're, where they're at, uh, the, the, the American team. You know that. I feel like they might may have lost a bit of their kind of identity. You know what what sort of team mm. they want to want to be. You know they've got a, a quite a strong South African influence in there at the moment, but it's pretty hard to play a South African style of rugby if you if you don't have those those big brutes. Um, you know and and practice it and, and work really hard at it. So mm. um, I look at the Japan team right and the way that sort of Eddie Jones and then Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown kind of came in and they understood the type of game they wanted to play so then they knew what type of yeah. athletes they wanted to select 
and then they worked really, really hard for, for, for months and years now on, on a certain type of skill set that, that Japan are now genuinely contenders, you know, in, in the top six, six or eight teams. Um, and I reckon, you know, America can probably take a bit out of that and, and sort of learn and understand how they want to play and, and then work really hard at, at, at being that sort of team. So, uh, yeah, it, it, tough on them. Um, and, and I think the club competition here, the, the actual MLR, mm. Is, is a lot better standard than that, you know. There's um, yeah. the, the the club stuff's actually is pretty good footy. It's just just that the international stuff when they play, it's they'll be disappointed themselves. Yeah, so that's what I, I spoke about it today when I was um, talking about the game. I said I was talking about obviously the, the scoreline probably doesn't reflect that, but then I look at Japan and the Japan top league and the, how that's gone from strength to strength every year, and then it's transitioned into the top side with them only losing by 10 points to the Wallabies so so for me do, do you feel like you just have to give America time or is there just they just need to start somewhere like you said gaining what they're about where they want to play their identities you, you feel like they've got the talent to, to be able to compete Andy yeah they do I mean they do have the talent you know they, they've got and when they really tap into it you know a lot of these colleges that um, these incredible athletes are coming out of there's only there's often only a handful um, that actually go on and play NFL. So you've got, you've got these American, mm. uh, you know, colleges with these, you know, with these incredible athletes. That you know, if, if you're able to form some sort of uh, pathway for them to sort of transition into rugby, and, and 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 there are some, there are some academies being set up at the moment. So it's coming. Um, but yeah. you know, honestly, if if, if if they're serious about it, I'd get a um, I'd get a New Zealand sort of director of rugby in place. Who, who understands you? Know, imagine if they got someone like a Smithy or um, a Robbie Deans or someone like that to come in and, r- and run a program. Um, that, that's where that's where it would all start, you know, because then you start developing the skill sets yeah. and the talent and running the right sort of camps. And uh, so, so I think they need that in place, and then it could actually happen quite quickly. You know, that, that mm. them competing at the top level could happen quite quickly if they got that stuff in place. Oh, I mean, that's just how I read it. I don't know, but that's, that's my gut. Hey Andy, it's uh, Ricardo here, mate. Uh, just filling in on Bricky for uh, for Louis Herman Watt, but uh, wanted to uh, get your thoughts on uh, how you thought Finlay Christie went as a halfback uh, first first test start for the ABs. I really like him. I, I think he's got a real edge about him. Um, you know, he ran great support lines, didn't he? As as all the nines are yeah. these days, but uh, he's just got he's <laughs> just got that bit of stink in him. You know, like. It, he works real hard, makes breakdowns. He's tough. I saw him fly up and put a couple of great shots on too. Um, yeah, I, I can. He's exciting. That, that that nine spot in the All Blacks is um, is is a is a tough um, you know competitive position at the moment. You know, obviously with with Nugget being your nine, but you know after that, what, you know, what do you, mm. what do you want that guy coming off the bench looking like? And look at someone like Christie. He's got a real bit of real energy, real X factor um, with the way he plays. So, yeah. He was awesome. Uh, who do you reckon is going to be the number one starting halfback when we play the Welsh then? Because um, TJ's obviously the the, <laughs> the, the, the experienced guy. Uh, Brad Webber's probably more like a, a nuggie in terms of a of a starting halfback, and obviously Finlay's putting his hand up as well. Oh, it's, it's a real tough one, isn't it? I don't, I don't think you lose anything um, with any of them. You know, um, uh, you know, TJ all passed as well. You know, so. Um, it, it depends on the kind of game they want to play. I suspect maybe a Brad Weber gives you 
gives you the ball a bit quicker to your backs, um, which is where they'll want to play. So does Christy. You know, TJ is more of a director. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 going to be a good one, eh? It's going to be a, a real real good talking point that selection. Um, but I, I, they probably you know who knows they might give one of the nines a start each on this tour away, and and then and then they'll get a probably better idea of of, of what that's, that 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 position looks like moving forward. Hey mate, um, take take this game out of it, or or you might take some little bits out of it. But where do you see the current state of, of the All Blacks at the moment with how they're playing? What you've been able to see, you witnessed some first hand out there on, on Saturday. So, what were your takeaways from this current All Black side? You've been involved with a lot of All Black side sides that are that are ruthless, that are that, that are good at what they everything that they do. You've been part of some good playing uh, teams with great players in it. What's your current take for this All Black side, mate? Um, yeah, it is. It's hard to take too much out of that performance in the weekend. But what I do mm. like is how. Attacking wise, they they were always loaded right across the field. They had attacking yeah. threats everywhere, you know, whether it was the back on the blind side or or through the middle or wide or out wide. And I think um, when the All Blacks look like that, um, no one knows where they're actually going to attack. The All Blacks don't even know where they're going to attack until it kind of unfolds <laughs> and the defense makes a read. So I, I really like that side of it. Um, guys excited and and um, and loaded across the field, and then just some of the um, some of the X factor moments you know where guys are offloading and stepping and like putting the foot down you know one guy breaks and there's about eight guys with him I think that's really exciting for New Zealand yeah. rugby all black rugby at the moment it's um it looks like there's some real fire there some real hunger you know they're making you know they're making errors as well but it doesn't deter them mm. you know they, they they go again you know you would have seen some of their release zone stuff you know they, they, they dropped it and they, or they turned it over but it didn't mean that they went into their shell and started kicking they um they keep looking to to be loaded, like I keep saying, and play and, and kick kick on their terms mm. when they're ready. That's um, it was great from an attacking point of view, and, and I really hope they can carry that sort of rugby through to to this tour because you know there'll be different sort of defensive pressures, but you know hopefully they can stay brave and um, courageous and, and play that play that sort of game. Uh, Andrew, we just saw uh, the news come out over the weekend uh, that Maanonu signed for the San Diego Legion to run around again at thirty nine. Um, when you see them on the uh, come up on the on the fixture list, mate, how those how those hammies? Are they feeling a bit tight? <laughs> good, <laughs> good, They're big fella, right? Eh? That's awesome. Um, yeah, mate. Look, I um, oh, I'm still feeling pretty good, you know. Um, I love competing, so that's that's the thing that's driving me at the moment. I love getting out there, and I love competing, and I love winning. Um, and yeah, the body's not not running quite as smoothly as, as it once was, but um. But but I still got that real fire fire in my belly and, and hunger to, to compete. So it's great and great to see someone like Mar out there as well. I'm sure he's the same. He still loves playing and doing his thing. I know there's been a heap of really exciting signings in the MLR over the last sort of few months. So I think um, you know the competition here is going to um, grow some more legs, get more exciting. Um, hopefully, see a few more faces that you know from back home playing over here. And you know who knows where this game could go. Um, get the club rugby humming and. I'm sure the national team will follow. Oh, we're talking to Andy Ellis. He's over in the United States, just about to head home back to New York. Give us a text on double eight double three. Who your halfback will be? Who's your halfback going forward against the Welsh? Who is your halfback? Who you want to see selected for that match? Hey, Andy, I want to ask you about um, you. I know I've talked to you a lot of times, and I thought maybe you're going to hang your boots up. You're like, yeah, yeah, the family wants to re- relax and settle down, mate. You don't look like you're stopping any 
time soon. You just keep going. You surprise me every single day. What are you going to do going forward? You've got another year with uh, Rugby United, but what are you going to do post that, mate? Are you going to stay involved in the game? <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, look, mate, we, um, I was going to hang the boots up after, after we had played in Japan, but you know, this, the New York sort of opportunity came up, and Matt, we, we have had the most incredible time as a family. Like we've, we've seen this part of the world, and we've met some amazing people. But you know, we've been to shows and concerts, and some of the most amazing sporting events. So the experience for the kids um, and, and me and him too has been so worth it. So we, we get, we're going to do another year, mate. We'll, we'll, we'll push on to um, uh, August next year, and then we'll look to we'll look to come home then. Um, well, one of our uh, oldest daughter, Scarlett, she's going to be starting high school, so um, it's important for us that we're back in New Zealand <laughs> for that. So at this stage, that's the plan. Yeah. Um, but what I'm going to do, mate, I know is there a spare, is there a spare slot on that on that morning show for me, or <laughs> can we kick Baz off? Mate. <laughs> is that, is that a part-time is, anyway? Baz is jet-setting, though. He's like you, mate. He's jet-setting all around the world. I'm the only one staying put. Louis's got a day off today. Trudy's the only Me and Trudy are the only one stay put. Oh, no, Kezza hasn't had a day off yet. <laughs> hey, uh, I was going to say, Andy, you might you might get a job uh, as a, as a marketing consultant uh, with the club that you're at because I don't know what Rick Salito's up, mate, but up to. But how do you how do you brand a club from the get go when it's your decision that ends up with an acronym of Runny? I mean, surely he's got to he's got to he's got to have a look at himself, doesn't he? <laughs> he's actually got rid of it. He, 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 to be fair, he inherited that, and uh, it is now called Rugby New York as opposed to Rugby United hey. New York, or like you say, Runny. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, he's been great, though. He's, he's, he's been awesome over here. He's done a great job. It's, we're really fortunate because it's, it's a new, young club. You know, we, we can be a big part of the, getting the foundations in place, and um, you know, hopefully some of the stuff we're doing now is going to be here for a long time. That's, the, that's one of the exciting things about coming over and being part of a new competition and a, and a new club, so it's, it's really cool. Nice, Andy. Hey, thank you so much for your time, mate. I'll let you get back to your family and, and getting home. Uh, travel safe, mate, and we look forward to seeing you back in NZ soon, but I'm no doubt we'll get you back on the airways because we love hearing your very insightful thoughts, mate. So appreciate it, Andy Ellis. Any, any time, my brother. Send our love to Days and the Kids. Locking the shield away for another summer after attaining it against Waikato. Big shoes need to be filled, though, as head coach Mark Ozich. Heads off to Perth to coach Western Force. And it's probably the most asked question to Jay Campbell right now. What's going to happen? Jay will be sitting in his chair with his feet up because what a job he has right now looking after a union that has been so successful over the last couple of years. Jay Campbell joins us right now this morning. Good morning, Jay. Morning, Izzy. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How, how, how comfortable are you right now, mate? You got your feet up. You got a flat white in your hand from you know, one of the one of the coffee places in Hawkes Bay. You must be feeling pretty chuffed right now. Oh, look, it's a good place to be. You know, look, um, you know, you, you touched on, uh, you know, the the dynasty or whatever you were talking about earlier. But really, you know, these things don't happen overnight. And it has been um, mm. it's been a sort of four years in the making. So we're we're slowly getting there. And uh, yeah, look. Retaining the shield for the summer, as you know, is the event in Hawke's Bay. Um, the export, the yeah. exports of the team of the 60s, you know, it's spoken, it's spoken about in sort of mythical type status. So to be able to 
to start uh, winning and retaining the shield for a couple of years, mate. Yeah, she certainly makes Major Hay Monday a beautiful day here in the bay. <laughs> mate, I want to talk about you. You've come in, you've taken over from Mike Bishop. He had a long time in the in the driver's seat, but you've come in, you've added your own little touches. What have you done, mate? What have you done in the last couple of years to be able to create an environment, a culture, you know, a union that has, has so much success right now? You know, I guess the first thing is getting the right people in the right places. So, you know, yeah. master stroke by getting um, Mark Ozich and, and Josh Sims on board. They're, they're outstanding, outstanding humans, but they're also very, very good in creating a culture um, in, in the team setting of just allowing guys to play with in front of them, but also putting in a really good game plan that works. But probably more so, we, we tried to we tried to reconnect with our community. Um, so we did that on a number of fronts. Uh, we've tried really, really, at best of times, to try and re- recruit from within. So our first yep. instance is to try and get guys via our, via our school systems. And probably an example of that, of that is we've got 26 of this year's squad that are selected from across five schools in Hawke's Bay. Um, Napier and Hastings nice. Boys, obviously, the, the big two, but also your old school, Disney's Little Farm with a couple, and... St. John's with a couple and, and Namakahi Park from Southie. So that's the first bit. That, that gets the connection. Um, then bringing in mm. people where the gaps, and I think both of these coaches have proved that they're outstanding selectors and getting good men yeah. who want to buy into what we're doing. And we're just trying to get a connection also with every part of our business so that everybody kind of feels part of what we're doing. So... Um, yeah, look, it's been a it's been a rough journey, as you know. It's it's not always bears and skittles, and, and there's been a few tough times. But you've got to ride through that, and now we're starting to see the mm. the fruits of, of that labour and getting some success, which is which is nice. Uh, Jay Campbell, uh, Hawks Bay Rugby CEO, uh, with us here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Uh, Ricardo here, Jay, mate. Uh, is it as easy as just saying, "All right, Josh, you've got the head coach's job now that Mark's off," or, or does there have to be uh, an open forum and and get those? sort of, I guess, applications coming in? Yeah, look, we've decided to go to the market, and that's certainly nothing against Josh, and I'll, I'll come on to that in a minute, but I, I think that um, we're just going out to, to see what's what's around. Um, look, the, if, we go, if we go to Oz, I think, and I, I think I've been on record to say before, I think it was simply a matter of time before um, Oz's outstanding credentials were picked mm. up, and um, it's Bloody difficult, you know. It's got a, it's a bittersweet, really, because um, he's been an outstanding coach. You know, all said and done, in, in a number of years, he'll he'll go down as potentially one of Hawks Bay's greatest, and certainly one of the most successful coaches. So, you know, from from that end, bloody difficult for us. Um, so we've decided to to go and, and test the market, and, and see what's floating around. But I also think. What it does do is if, if Josh is a successful candidate, it means that he's, he's earned it by right. He's earned it by being the best available. And I think that will also give him the confidence then to stamp his mark on the side if he's a successful person. So, look, I think the process we're doing is really sound. We've, we've had some really good candidates. Um, we're shortlisting this week and, and, and then interviewing, and we'll be able to make a decision in the next couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, look, I think we're very, very fortunate. We've got an outstanding forwards coach, and, and Josh, um, yeah. you know, I think the backs, they take all the glory, as is, you'll know, and, and this team's sort of starting to, you know, show that all these backs scoring these tries. But 
you know, the, the forwards that we've got on this side, they're, they're very unheralded. You know, you take the likes of uh, oh, yeah. Jason Long, Namatahiwa, our two locks, Parsons and Cruz, who are just going gangbusters. Josh Kaiser, these guys that you know that they're not on, they're not on Super Rugby radars. I'm not sure why, but Josh has been able yeah. to, to to mould that pack. And I think each game, everybody talks about the fact that the pack's going to struggle and they and they find ways to do it. So. Yeah, look, we're in a really good place in terms of coaching and, um, you know, while we doubted to lose Oz, he goes with our blessing because he's a, he's a walked by man through and through now and I'm pretty sure um, if he's not already, New Zealand should be looking to um, make sure that when his next move after he the forces back in New Zealand because he's, uh, he's a coach on the rise in my opinion. Nice, mate. I'm going to ask it now. I'm going to ask this question because you brought it up why certain players aren't being picked up in Super Rugby. And something I spoke about last week with Lincoln McClutchy going to Moana Pacifica. Is there a fractured relationship between Hawke's Bay and the Hurricanes? Oh, no. Look, I, I get on really well with, with Evan Lee, the, the, the CE. And, um, you know, we, we, have a, yep. we, we have a pretty good relationship in terms of uh, things that are happening. Oh, look, mm. it, it, and you'll know even back when you were playing, Izzy, we just don't seem to get the don't seem to get the bounce of the ball or the, or the, the rub of the green or the love for, from the canes when it comes to selection. I certainly don't think it's anything yeah. that's um, that, 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 that's overt. Um, maybe it's timing. Maybe it's you know we are geographically removed. We're four hours up the road. I'm not sure, but um, I think that the one thing that all our guys keep keep well, can do is just keep playing well and putting putting in um, bodies of work and performances that that deserve recognition. And yeah. the fact that Moana Pacifica is now set up as allowing some of our guys who potentially may have left the brochures offshore will now be able to um, yeah. pick up a certificate. And I think it's fantastic. And you touched on Lincoln. Really proud of Lincoln. He's um, he's a great kid who's, who I believe is, mm. has been deserving of Super Rugby for a couple of years. So for him to be able to um, nail that down, you only have to look at how confident he is at the moment and how well he's playing to know that he's certainly you know, one of the four teams in the country. Yeah, nice. Thanks so much for your time, Jay Campbell. I'm sure whoever comes in and coaches the Hawks Bay squad, he's gonna, they're going to do great guns. So, well done, mate. As an old player, I'm very, very proud to, to be an old Hawks Bay Magpies man and uh, keep up the great work, Jay Campbell, who is the CEO of Hawks Bay Rugby. Thanks, bud. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks, Carter. The Black Caps campaign starts on Wednesday morning Against Pakistan, against Pakistan, Mitchell McLennigan is a former Black Cap who played 48 ODIs, 29 T20s for New Zealand. He's a quick bowler, uncompromising, rips it down. I hated to face them, and uh, he's going to join us this morning to preview the upcoming World Cup for the Black Caps. Good morning, Mitchell. G'day, mate. What a privilege. Thanks for having me. Oh, mate. How are you, bud? How you doing? Yeah, good. Eh? I heard some stories of you running into the Cornwall necks and bare feet, mate, charging in, bowling 140. So, you know, <laughs> wouldn't have wanted to face you either, I don't think. <laughs> no, nah, mate, they were just yard, no, they were true, though, because I, I couldn't afford shoes. So I had to roll bowling something. Yeah, I was bowling in bare feet, ripped my feet up, and it was a shambles. But anyway, mate, what about yourself? What have you been up to, man? Uh, mate, just stuck at home. Um on a. Uh, get the gyms up and running, um, running some boot camps yep. with our F45s. It's been pretty tough work, mate. 
Um, but enjoying the start of the World Cup, it's kind of something to take the mind off things that are a bit of a struggle in life at the moment, mate. Yeah, nice. Let's talk about the T20 World Cup. Obviously, uh, England giving West Indies a hide in Pakistan, beating India this morning. India haven't gone great guns in the T20 format. But let's talk about the Black Caps starting on Wednesday. What, what's your what's your take leading into this game, mate? They don't have a uh, you can't take too much out of the practice matches. Obviously, going down twice. But what, what's your preview and what's your take leading into Pakistan, mate? Oh, well, the warm-up's classic Aussie sender and the opening batsman at nine to win the game off the last couple of balls, so you can write that off. That was stinks. Yeah. yeah, that was shocking from them. Good sportsmanship, as usual. Um, but, uh, look, hey, it would have been, it would have been, it would have been great if uh, um, Pakistan actually lost this game. Would have loved for, I think most people thought India were going to be the favourites, and it would have been nice if... Pakistan were coming into this game having to win it to stay alive in the tournament. And, mate, they're real front runners. You know, you've played against those footy sides who they get up early mm. and you just can't stop them. They roll over you. And that's exactly what Pakistan are. They're very emotional and um, emotionally charged game tonight. And I think it's going to be even more so. If you, if you go back to everyone's Twitter feed after New Zealand pulling out after uh, from that Pakistan tour, yeah. I think we are enemy number one in Pakistan. So... Yeah, I think we've surpassed India. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's good reading. Um, but it's not what we wanted then coming in off a really nice win against India. Uh, Mitch Ricardo here. Uh, but it's, yeah, I mean, that, I, I didn't see that coming. The first time Pakistan have ever beaten India in a World Cup, which is which is a remarkable record. Um, but, of course, as you mentioned, we've got to play them first up on Wednesday for us. Uh, it almost feels like this is better for us, isn't it? Because if they'd lost this, they were in must-win territory. No, mate, they ride. They ride on highs and lows. They've got huge swings in their team. Like, that's just their culture. Like, they ride on everything. So, like, it's one of those things. It's like a juggernaut once it gets started. Like, they'll be they'll be super high after this. I think it's going to be super important that, like we saw today when Shaheen Afridi kind of knocked over the opening batsman, we're going to have to do that to the end to try and, like, stop this momentum. I just know these guys, and I've played with them, and, and I've been around their culture quite a bit, that they'll be fizzing, and they'll just feel like they're just going to absolutely walk all over us, and they're going to want to as well. Yeah, particularly after uh, we didn't play a game up in Pakistan. Hey, um, we saw the Windies roll by uh, roll by the Palms for 55 the other day, and the Dutch got rolled by uh, the Sri Lankans for 44 as well. Do you put that down to um, something going on with the pitches up there, or is it just rubbish batting? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I mean, the West Indies were one of the favourites going into this tournament, so we're India, and they've both gone down in the first game. Obviously, India not as bad. Uh, the West Indies um, have loaded their batting line up. You saw Andre Russell coming at nine, I think, um, maybe even eight. Um, just someone like that coming in at eight. I think they've just got the mentality of, like, we're great individual players, and we're just all going to go out there and blaze it. And I think that's kind of the way um, on the days we started our cricket and turned turned our stuff around um, when he took over the leadership was based around going out and have that fearless game of cricket and sometimes you get bowled out for 60 or 70 but the rest of the time you're going to score 250 um, so I think that's going to be their mentality in, in this campaign and geez they're going to have to win a couple of games by a big margin to, to work out that net run rate after that loss Actually about the, the IPL and the, and the UAE from my understanding from watching it I've got to understand that, that slow bowlers, spin bowling is going to be a big factor in these conditions. Can you see Todd Astle and Ish Sodi 
having a, having a big influence when you go into this black cap side. And what was your take from the conditions over in the UAE? Um, look, um, initially when I saw the squad, I thought they probably had the options with maybe a Mark Chapman to bowl a couple overs, maybe Glenn Phillips to bowl a couple mm. overs. Um, I thought they would have maybe included someone like an Adam Milne um, instead of a Todd Astle. It never really kind of came into my reckoning around the team and selections and that kind of stuff. So I guess I guess that the fact that they didn't include someone like Milne and took that extra spin, that they must have a plan to play him in somewhere like Sharjah. We might see him rolled out tomorrow. But the wicket today in that Sri Lankan-Bangladesh game was a belter of a wicket. Uh, 170 was not even close to being enough. Um, during the IPL, it was low scoring, but the boundaries are so small there that um, you know, if the wicket doesn't turn as much as you think it's going to, it's a real run fest. Oh, nice, mate. Nice. Um, and and what else in this competition? Who else do you see being the front runners? Oh, you can't understand. I've just lost Ricardo here. I can't see who's going to ask the next question because I'm based in Christchurch. He's up in Auckland. But, mate, leading into this uh, competition, you've got the Black Caps. Uh, they've been on going great guns over the last couple of years. You've got India. They've been there or thereabouts. Who else can you see being the uh, favourites leading into this competition? Well, it's so hard to, to pick out of um, that pool of death. Um, I think, obviously, um, India, uh, sorry, England um, are probably going to be big-time favourites, particularly after the way they started the other night. Um, it'll be hard for them to be beaten now. They've... Um, got such a good high net run rate, even if they're equal on points with someone. Um, I can't see them dropping too many games from here, to be honest. I think they're probably big-time favourites. India are going to have to do a lot. Um, hopefully, um, New Zealand can get up over Pakistan. If they can't, it's just going to be a, a one-off against India to see who goes through, in my opinion. Um, mm. But the real dark horse, if you wanted to take a punt on someone getting through to the semi-finals um, from the outside, is probably Afghanistan. Um, they've got some pretty Ooh. destructive players and a lot of experience. Um, and they're in the weaker pools, so they could really dominate sides like Scotland and Namibia to get a good net run rate. And if they pick up a game against either Russ or Pakistan, then they're right in the reckoning to push for their semis. And then once, once they get to the semis, it could be all on. How much um, of a fly in the ointment for the ICC would it be, mate, if uh, India don't make the knockout stages here? Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, they kind of bank on them being there and and and, and all that. Um, look, I, I don't think it's going to be too too much of a factor. I think I think the top four teams from each pool are going to be they're going to be absolute gangbusters semi-finals. Um, so I think we're going to see some great cricket anyway. Um, I think now that they've dropped the game. Um, each of those Indian games are going to have even more scrutiny from now on and, and more attention. So probably brings, brings a bigger audience into those games going forward because they're all must-win for them now. Hey, man, I want to ask you about the format, the format of, of cricket at the moment. We've got ODIs, we've got T20, we've got test matches. I feel like, of as of late, T20s has, is probably the premier format and it's probably got a, the most exposure ar- around the world with... Yeah, the hype with the IPL. Now you've got the T20 World Cup happening at the moment. Most nations play a bit of T20. Do you, still, do you see this format as the premier format for cricket? I think they've, they've brought in the Test Championship to try and negate how much momentum yeah. the T20s were getting. 
Um, I mm. think it's uh, the T20 is just a, such a great entry level for all countries to come in and compete. You've seen like Namibia and, and Scotland and the likes. They'll be a, they'll be competitive throughout this tournament um, at the Super 12 um, stage as well. I think it's just a really nice opportunity for people around the world to express themselves. Obviously, the shorter format, um, the, sh- the smaller the skill gap can be because one or two people can win you a game. Um, mate, I, I love it. I think it's got a lot of people into cricket. Um, a lot of diehard fans kind of rack it off, but um, it brings in the money. Um, and that's what's keeping our sport and our, our community sport going, in New Zealand in particular. Um, white ball cricket is what pays the bills. It's not test cricket. So um, people need to remember that as well going forward. So getting behind it because uh, it's here to stay. And I'll tell you what, format's really good is uh, the T10, mate. That T10 is absolutely outstanding. Yeah. They get like three or four of those games in a day and you can go and see, rather than just going to a game, and it's like, like last night's game where Boa gets our first ball. Um, instead of just seeing one game and not seeing a star player bat and score runs, you see three, four different games in, in the same space of a T20. Mm. Uh, you get to see all the superstars roll out game after game, so it's all over in a week as well. So those are, I think that's the way going forward, and I think they were talking about maybe introducing that into the Commonwealth Games at some point. Wow. Wow. I, mean, mm. I, I wonder how many uh, short formats we need with the Poms doing the 100 and everything as well, Mitch. Hey, um, <laughs> you also mentioned uh, in our pool, we, you know, due to an upset, we've got Scotland and Namibia. I think the ICC, in all good faith, thought they'd see Sri Lanka in one pool and Bangladesh in the other. But they've ended up in the same pool now with the Windies, the Poms, the Aussies and the Saffirs. What do you think that means for that group? Um. I mean, it's just, I think the teams that will come out of that group, um, the two teams that come out of there, I think will win the comp, um, just purely based on hard cricket. Um, you, you think, I, I don't know if it's the case with any of the teams, they might run Namibia and Scotland the last two games and then come up against England in the semi-finals. It's not great preparation. It's like the All Blacks running against, out, out against the US before a World Cup semi-final. It's probably not the best thing you want to want to do before a crunch match. So, um, you know, I think, the, I think the winner will come from that side of the pool. Hey, cheers, Mitch. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. I know you've been doing the hard yards. You were on uh, Sky TV with, TV with uh, Laura McGoldrick earlier, looking looking dapper, I might say, mate, in your blue and white check shirt. So I know you've been at it this morning, mate. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, beauty. I need to work on that lockdown tan as well. <laughs> cheers, boys. Take it easy. Oh, how good. That little track gets me excited. Feels like Crusaders backtrack. I love it. I love it. Christchurch Cup Week is coming up. Two weeks away. No crowds. Boo! But that's okay. That's okay. We can still watch it on TV and have a wee shindig at home. How good. 14 days till we get into our New Zealand Cup Week and 14 New Zealand Galloping Cups ago. It was Noel Harris riding Ever Swindell for John Sargent as he won his fourth and last NZ Cup at Rickerton. Just like the superstar rowing sisters, this mare could stay all day. The New Zealand Cup is crowing jewel of her career, performing in many staying events. Noel Harris himself, well, we always all remember his career, riding until the tender age of 60, amassing well over 2,000 wins at home in NZ, and many, many more offshore. He is always considered one of the most talented horsemen in the country, and as he did so well in 27, 2007, he rode the Cup's distance as well as anyone. Noel these days is a national riding mentor for North Island, helping young jockeys find their way 
and perform to their peak. Good morning, Noel. Morning, Izzy. Uh, thank you for those kind words. Thank you. Mate, I'm a big fan of your son. If I see a horse, Troy Harrison, he's on it. I'll pick it all day. So, mate, congratulations on a very successful career. I must say, um, reading those stats, over 2,000 wins. You rode till you're 60 years old. Many, many Group 1 wins here and abroad. Does it feel like 14 cups ago, mate? Yeah, well, as I said, it's coming up seven <laughs> years since I've been mentoring. I, I had my last ride at Tiaroa. Um, mm. And then the next, that was on the Saturday. On the Monday, I, they asked me to start working for NZTR with these apprentices, and it's been seven, coming up seven years. So, yeah, time flies actually. But um, I was just saying to my wife the other day if they had the old lead ponies like they do in America, I might be still riding. <laughs> <laughs> Are you missing it, mate? Not, Are you missing not, it? Like, what, what was it like no, when you not gave really, up, mate? I, was it... I, I, I actually, because um, I was going to get out of racing altogether, but my wife talked me into doing the mentoring, and I'm pleased I did because it yeah. sort of kept me in touch with a lot of the boys and the camaraderie. And um, it's racing, once it's in your blood, it's hard to get away from. But as far as the riding, I, I, I went wrong enough to. I was actually not sick of it, but I'd had enough, you know, and um, yeah, it's sort of every year I was going to give up and uh, I'd come out and, I'd, you know, I had to win a listed or a group race, otherwise I was disappointed. But when I say disappointed, that's was the expectation I sort of put on myself. But, um, yeah, I was, as I said, every year I said, this is it, this is it. But um, and I was lucky enough to get on a good horse every year to keep me going, so... That was the bonus. Um, but as you said, once it's etched in, yeah, it's hard to get out of, you know. Well, it's 14 years, mate, since you rode there in 2007. Yeah. Ever Swindell's down here in Christchurch. He's down Cut Week, mate. What can you remember? What can you remember? Oh, she was a great mare. Um, she she took a time, bit of time to come to it. But as I said, when I was about 1990, I was, I was actually... Um, I was not down in the dumps, but I was just at that stage where I feel I'd give the riding game away. You know, I was wasting hard and just going through one of those bad patches. And um, I've come out and rode in the first Wellington, I'm sorry, New Zealand Cup. And since then, I've ridden four. And um, it's just mm. funny how some races can elude you and others that, you know, you can, um, like with Eva Swindell, she was just one of those horses that, um, you hadn't seen the best of her. She, I think she was good enough to win an, um, the year later again um, because after she won that first one, she went to Auckland, run third in the Auckland Cup, um, and then she was down to race at Wellington, um, and she broke down in the Trenton State. She still ran third, and I think she could have gone back to Christchurch um, and you know won another cup. So she was. Just sort of hitting the peak, and it's just a shame that she uh, broke down. Noel Ricardo here, mate. Now you've you've ridden four winners yeah. of the New Zealand Cup over 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 the years: Wake Forest, Mike uh, Pentathon, and of course Eva Swindell. You just mentioned there. What what was yeah. your what was your favourite victory of those three? Which one was the sweetest? Oh, they're, they're all good, but that Eva Swindell is just that the, the beautiful run I got through the pack. You know, after we'd straightened up, and she had a little bit of weight, and I thought. She needs some luck here, and it wasn't happening. And 
within a second that the gaps opened and I just sneaked through and you know it was such a great feeling um as I said any any win's a good win um but you know those good horses it's just it's probably like you know driving a mini or driving a Mercedes you know but those good horses have just got that x factor and it's the same with any sport you know these good good players um they just stand out and same with horses and it's just nice to be associated with horses like this so so what is it so you can win you can win just your normal uh, everyday races and you've won many races over 2000 but you've been able to transition that into the group ones where there's so much added pressure to it what goes in behind the scenes to to be able to come off in, in those uh, big moments and win those big performances for yourself and and and, and the trainers. Well, as you said, the first of all, you got to have the right horse. Um, mm. But you get a lot of fairy tale stories. You know, a lot of owners can have horses, um, first time horses, and make them win millions of dollars. And you get other guys that have been in the game twenty, thirty years and not have that success. But I don't know what it is. Um, Lester Pickett, I rode with him up in Singapore and. He he had a cleft pellet and he was a little bit deaf, um, but he had that X factor. And I used to follow him in a race, and he was just magical. You know what he could do was no other jockey could do. Um, mm. It's having an affinity with the horse. I think that it's a big help. And um, yeah, sometimes I wondered how I won certain races, but those big ones, <laughs> um, it's you know I'd say racing was kind to me and. As I said, I, I look at a lot of jockeys that um, rode that didn't have my success, and I, I wondered how they kept going because if I didn't have the success, I thought would I would I've gone as long as I had. But um, mm. as you say, you, you get on a roll, and I think um, it's like having that success. Um, as I said, every year I put that um, if I couldn't win a listed or a or a group race, I'd be disappointed in myself. Um, so that's the expectations. Mm. But as you said, you can't do it without the horse. Noel, um, in terms of no, no having no, you know, lubricated punters cheering on from the stands um, this coming year, do you think that makes a difference uh, to to the horses? I mean, I know we see it some, you know, some athletes respond better to no crowd putting pressure on them versus a crowd that lifts them. Are our horses the same? Yeah, I think so, because, um, you know, like in the Melbourne Cup, there's no race like that, and I tell you what, the tension, um, like in the jockey's room before the Melbourne Cup, I had about 12 goes of it. Um, you could drop a pin, you know, and um, oh, the tension in that jockey's room. But when you get out in that crowd, you just, you've never heard it before, and as you'd know with the, with the rugby, you know, um, those crowds, and... I always find when you go to the trial meetings, you're relaxed. Um, the horses are relaxed. There's no crowds as, say, race days. And a lot of horses don't put in as um, what they would race day. But when you get that, I don't know, it's just the atmosphere. And some horses just step up to the plate and, um, yeah, they know they're there and they're there for a job. But And you get those other ones that, um, yeah, they're better off track work, um, track work horses than they are race days. Oh, I love it. Love it, Noel Harris, mate. 14 years since you rode Ever Swindell in the 2007 Cup. 
number four for yourself, mate. Congratulations on a very successful career, over 2,000 wins, racing to your 60, mate. What, what an unbelievable career for you. So well done, and thank you so much for joining Baz and Izzy for breakfast. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much.